Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Okay, so I'm excited today to share a message with you as we've been in a series of messages out of the book of Psalms. How many people love the book of Psalms? How many people are learning to love the book of Psalms? I'm kind of both, to be honest. Like, I love the Psalms, and the more time I spend in them, the more I love them. I love the book of Psalms. It's the middle of the Bible. It's the biggest book in the Bible. It's this this uh, this literary work, really, of worship, these worship songs. And, and yet, when I read the Psalms, sometimes I'm challenged because there's so much emotion in them. You know what I mean? Like, like, okay, David, I know you are in a cemetery late on a Saturday night drinking red wine and contemplating how hard life is, but whoa, like that is a lot of emotion. But I'm reminded that clearly God is not put off by my bluntness, that God can handle my emotions, that God can handle maybe the most, like the realest, rawest version of the things that I'm feeling that God's not put off or Held back, but I, I like that. I'm finding myself affirmed in that. I'm also finding this overwhelming theme as we read the Psalms together that that seasons come and go. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like good days and bad days both come and go. And uh, there's this little faith that's kind of stirring up on the inside of me where it's like, this is going to pass. This is going to not be the definition of how the rest of my life feels just because I feel it now. Anybody, uh, you know, know that your feelings change? Someone woke up this morning with a case of the hangries. Then you ate a muffin. You're like, life is good. And it's amazing. That's how fast feelings can change, right? Like emotions change. But God's faithful and God's consistent. Therefore, worship is not a emotion. Worship is a response to who God is. And so I'm finding myself just so blessed in the Psalms. We've been uh, 11 weeks now in the book of Psalms. Across our church, all three locations, we've had people reading the book of Psalms together daily. Now, I'm not going to ask you to put up your hands, but for some, you've been doing this the entire summer, June, July, August, and you know that we're almost done. Great job. For some, you're a couple days behind. you got time. You can catch up. For others, you've never heard of it before. Just start now. Then there's some, and I just want to speak to you. You're feeling bad that you didn't start. And the fact that you're feeling bad that you didn't get started or you stalled out is stopping you from starting now. How crazy is that? Just do something. I think sometimes we we hold ourselves back from ever taking any forward momentum. We're like, well, I can't run a marathon, so I don't know if it's worth taking the next step. Just take a step. Get moving. And when it comes to your relationship with God, begin somewhere, start somewhere. And so we've been loving this uh, this series, the book of Psalms. We've had daily devotionals out and have been having a good time. But today I want to share a message about a particular section of the book of Psalms that I think is going to be encouraging and uplifting, okay? It's uh, a message entitled Ascending. If you're taking notes, you can write that down, Ascending. Uh, if you want to, you could replace Ascending with started at the bottom, now we're here. Because that's what ascending feels like. Started at the bottom, but now we're here. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we love you a lot. We're grateful for you. It's amazing that uh, a book of the Bible, the Psalms, some 3,000 years old, could speak relevance into our hearts and lives today. I pray that you would use it today to stir us up, to challenge us, to shift our thinking. I ask today, really specially, that there would be an atmosphere in this room where distraction just doesn't really have a place where our minds seem really clear to hear and comprehend and 
and work through things where we find ourselves not drifting off thinking of other thoughts or worries or concerns. I pray today that you'd be glorified, not only in the words that are spoken, but also the meditations of our heart. We pray that in your name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Here we are. So this particular section of the book of Psalms I want to speak about. It begins in Psalm 120, okay? Psalm 120. It comes right after Psalm 119. I know it's amazing how that linear number thing works. Psalm 119 happens to be the longest book of the Bible. Psalm 119 is, uh, it's like this acrostic poem where every section of the, the chapter, Psalm 119, is related to one of the letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So the first section is called Aleph. The next section is called Beit. The next section is called Gimel. You know, we all know our, our Hebrew alphabet. And uh, it works its way through this long, incredible chapter about the Word of God, the, the preeminence of the Word of God, how, how life-giving it is. It's, it's sections like, His Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. This great, like, meaty, solid, you could take a long time looking at it, find new things because it's just so long, book of the Bible. And then we come into the next set of chapters. In the next 15 chapters, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, these 15 chapters, most translations, if you read at the very beginning of the psalm, it would say this, a song of ascents. Do you see that in your Bible? A song of ascent or a song of of, of ascending, of, of lifting up, of climbing up. Other translations would say a song of degrees because ascension happens by means of degrees. Very rarely do you find yourself at the lowest low and then instantaneously you're at the highest high. That's not really how life works. It's actually that you ascend by a series of steps or degrees. So these songs are called songs of ascent. These are songs that started at the bottom, but by the time you get to the end, you're like, now we're here. They're songs of ascent. Now, historically, these songs were were useful in a public setting, uh, primarily when the people of God were on their way to the city of Jerusalem. Okay, the city of Jerusalem was the was on a mountain in the middle of the country, and three times a year, people from all around the other regions would make their way to the city of Jerusalem, also known in the Bible often as Zion. It was on the top of a mountain. And so to get from where you were to where you were going was a series of upward steps. It was ascension. And along the way, they'd be like, hey, hey, let's sing a song. Yeah, who wants to sing a song? Well, in our region, this song's popular. Like, I've never heard that song. Yeah, we got this great song. It's called The Song That Never Ends. Like, no, 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 we're not going to do that song. Oh, how about 99 bottles of beer on the wall? That's a great road trip song. Like, no, no, we're not going to sing that song. Let's do, let's do Psalm 120. We all learned that one. doesn't matter what region you came from. We all know that one. Let, let's sing that together. And so as people ascended towards the city of God, they would sing songs that had symbolic feel of what it feels like to climb up out of a pit. It's kind of cool, right? Also, it was useful, some historians would say, that in the, the temple there was kind of two different courtyards or areas, and in between the two there was 15 steps. And so some said that, that probably the Levites, who were like the worship leaders of the time, would, would make their way through and they would say, okay, fourth step, guys, you know what that means, Psalm 123, and then they would all sing a prepared song about the faithfulness of God. And then they're like, we're going on up. And they'd take another step and they'd sing another song. And there was this, this ceremony that took place around it. But we would all agree. No matter what the historical thought is, we'd all agree this, that these songs begin at a theme of being down and they end at a theme of being up. All of them. Let me show you. First verse of Psalm 120 says this. Psalm 120 says, I call on the Lord in my distress 
and he answered me. That is the beginning of these songs of ascent, in a state of distress. Now, what is distress? Like, what is it to be in distress? Is it the same as stress? Not actually. See, stress is our response to change. Stress can be uh, our response to good change or bad change, positive changes or negative changes. They still stress us out. Do you know every step you take puts stress on, like, really your whole body, your joints, your ligaments, your tendons, your bones, your muscles. Everything sustains some stress. But we were built for it. And so you can take steps without even thinking about it, but internally stress is taking place. It's a response to change. But over time, like if you were to run a marathon, you might find yourself at some point along the way saying, I don't feel like I even have the strength to take another step. This thing that I was designed to do that I, I, I can do when I'm at my best, I've now so depleted my resources that I can't do this thing that normally I would be able to do. Like, have you ever had shin splints before? Anyone ever had shin splints? You're like, walking is, is normal. But with shin splints, every step you take, your, your body is in distress. See, distress is the state that you are in when you no longer have the resource to handle stress. Now, there's some people like, I never get stressed. Yes, you do. Yes, you, you, you're just built for it. You can handle it. But what we generally call stress is actually when we get to the point where we're distressed. And we're like, help! Like, we, that's beyond stress right now. Now, now for some people, <laughs> they, they think they're distressed when it's actually like the most minor inconvenience. Like one little thing happens, like, I can't even! You're like, yeah, you can. You can. You're like, someone cut you off in Subway. You're going to have to wait 45 more seconds before your piece of art is made by the sandwich artist. You'll be fine. Right? I can't even! You can. But, but you know, when we, when we cross over into a state of distress, it's often kind of like the silliest thing that puts us there. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it, if you could see the, the backstory to all that got you to a place where you were depleted of resource, well, it would make sense to us all. But when we see you react that way to that little thing, we're like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Just like shake it off, you know, it's no, no big deal. And you're like, no, you, like you don't know the stress I'm under. And often the stresses we're under are things we like. Like the business that you started, that you trained for, prepared for, educated yourself for, took a loan for, took you step out on a limb for, and you're putting your whole heart and soul into, is stressful. And sometimes depletes you of your energy. Those kids that you were excited about having, Oh my goodness, you were so excited to have them. And then you had a baby shower. You're like, being a parent is great. And then you revealed the gender and you're like, oh, cupcakes. And then the baby was born. You're like, I don't sleep anymore. <laughs> and it's not that you're complaining about, about this thing. It's just, it's depleting your resource. And then, or like you have, you have friends from out of town in town. Oh, it's so great having friends from out of town in town. Except for they want to go and pay money to see things you've seen before. Right? And so you're like, I'm like, I'm staying up late and we're, we're like going and paying money to see things I've already seen before. And so it's good, but it's just kind of depleting my resource. And then something happens like, ah, I just can't take it anymore. Whatever that thing might be. You see, I want to acknowledge today that each of us at one point or another, given the right circumstances, know what it feels like to be in distress. And it would be a, a fool's errand for us to compare 
what stresses me out to what stresses you out. That'd be crazy. We got in here like, okay, let's 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 uh, share notes here. I'm distressed for these reasons, and then someone say, that's easy. Like switch lives with me. I could handle your stress, no problem. You just can't handle mine. That's that would be crazy. Another thing that would be really uh, uncaring, and I think you know rather unhelpful, would be you walk into church and we try to downplay the fact that you feel distressed. We say it's not that big of a deal. Like, and then we just like code it with like, but isn't God good? Like, where's your faith? And they're like, whoa, I like, I was just trying to be honest. And I say that because I've been there. I've been in those communities where you, you share like a little bit of real and all of a sudden you get a couple of platitudes and then you feel bad that, that you're not always feeling great. But then you read the Bible and you go, oh, it's not about always feeling great. I can make good decisions even when I'm not feeling at my best. Are you with me? Okay, we're all at times in states of distress. I don't want to minimize the thing that you're facing or the minimize the thing that maybe Wednesday or Thursday you might be facing and be like, oh man, other people have it worse. That doesn't help you. And God is better. Yeah, it's true. But unless you do something to ascend, you can just feel like God's way far off. That's why I believe that when you come into church, you ought to be uplifted, not beaten down. You ought to be lifted up, not beaten down. You see, like, like you're already in your lowest state, and then people are like, and you shouldn't be there. Like, wow, thanks for that. Like, I think the purpose of God, you know what, the, what Jesus said? He said, the, the enemy of your soul has come to steal from you, kill you, and then destroy you. I don't know how you get destroyed after you're killed, but that's how, that's how much he hates you. It's insidious. But then, he, like, Jesus came so you could have life. He's like, I came to lift those burdens off you. You know in John 3.16 where it says that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life and then it gets held up in the end zone of football games, right? John 3.16. Right after that, it says Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Like, like we're already condemned. We already know we're bad. Like e- even the best actors, when, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we're like, yeah, I'm not the best. I'm not perfect. I'm flawed. Jesus actually came to lift that burden off of us. And so, so the, the song of ascent begins with distress, crying out to God in a state of distress. Here's how it ends. Check out Psalm 134. Psalm 134. This is the conclusion. After singing some songs together, after being in worship together, it says this, Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of the heavens and the earth. Oh, my goodness. They start in a place where they're distressed and like, I don't have any energy left except for to call out on God. And by then, they're calling out on people. Come on, everybody. Let's worship. Let's get our hands up in the air. Are you with me? Like, that's the the attitude change or the emotional shift that takes place as a result of ascending. There's this process and, and some steps that I think we can all take when we're distressed that lead us into that conclusion. Can I share a few with you out of these songs? I, I think we might actually just do a series out of these 15 chapters at some point and, and, and call it started from the bottom. Now we're here. Like we're going to ascend out of this place. I want to promise you because Jesus gives this promise. You will at times be distressed. I promise you. And that's not a lack of faith. That's actually trusting what Jesus said is true because he says this, in this world you will have trouble. But then he says this, take heart, I've overcome the world. In other words, like you'll, you'll, you'll feel it, you'll be there. You just don't have to stay there. You can ascend out of it. 
and I can show you how. Let me give you a couple thoughts today on how to ascend when you find yourself in distress. Number one, if you're taking notes, write down the word say, S-A-Y, say. When you are distressed, you need to watch what you say. Your words have power. You know, the Bible says this, that our, our tongue or our words have the power for either life or death. That means we've never spoken a neutral word in our life. There are no Switzerlands when it comes to your world. No, like, like into your words, there's only life or death. Either you will beautify or putrefy. You will actually either build up or tear down. That's what words do. And so it's important and imperative in seasons when we are in distress that we guard what we say, that we watch what we say. Check out this, uh, Psalm chapter 124. It says this, if the Lord had not been on our side, let the people say, if the Lord had not been on, I love that it's, it's repeated, repeated twice. It's like, don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this and go on to the rest of the sentence and forget what that's there for. And so it's like, if the Lord had not been on our side, come on, let's say it together. If the Lord had not been on our side, why don't we try saying it together? Ready? On three. One, two, three. If the Lord had not been on our side. It felt a little weird because it felt like we didn't have much energy in it. You know, it's like we're, we're, we're repeating something so that we can remember it for a grade five exam. And it uh, didn't feel quite. Why don't we try saying it with a little more energy? If the Lord had not been on our side. Ready? One, two, three. If the Lord had not been on our side. So let the people say it together. Come on, let's unify around this thing. If God had not been on our side. Let the people say, if God had not been on our side, when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger flared up against us, it goes on to say this, the flood would have engulfed us, the torrent would have swept us away, and the raging waters would have swept us away. He's like, let's be careful the way we talk about our past. Let's be aware of the power of our words. You see, here's what we can tend to do. After we come out of a season of distress, we can tend to look back and say, that wasn't that bad. Yes, it was. It was terrible. We were there. We saw it. We can tend to minimize after we get through something. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like I wasn't that addicted. Yes, you were. You know, yeah, like that relationship wasn't that bad. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it was. Right? Like I kind of was able to just bounce back after the people said the things they said. No, it was terrible. See, it's important that we recognize if not for God, we're in trouble. Look at the graphic language. If it's not for God, when people hated us, we would have been swallowed alive. You see, here's what, what, what tends to happen. We either minimize what took place or... We define ourselves as a loser that it took place in the first in the first place. We're like, oh, what's my problem? There I am. A storm came up in my life. Loser. Got attacked. Loser. And like we define a season as how ter- like how pathetic we are. Then we watch like an old film like like Braveheart or Gladiator. We're like, wow, they keep getting attacked. And they just keep standing. What a hero. But we look at ourselves, we're like, oh, I kept getting attacked. What a loser. No. You're victorious. You're still standing. You made it here. You got here. The what you've been through is a testimony of how good God is. Like your relationship really was that bad. 
that financial situation you're in was as bad as you thought it was. Like all those things were as really, truly, and profoundly as terrible. But God was on your side. Like, like sometimes we, we strip, Martin Luther said this, that our tendency to do this is the, the, the plan of the enemy to strip God of the grace that was required of us. Or that we required of him, I should say. We strip God of the power of giving us grace. We're like, ah, it wasn't too bad. I, I was just overreacting. I'm good. Don't strip God of how much grace you required. He's good and faithful to give you all the grace you needed. And it was that bad. Second thing we, we, we can tend to do is that we miss this point. God is not just by your side. God is on your side. Come on, listen. God is not just by your side, nearby. He's actually on your side fighting for you. Like sometimes people, they say they're on your side, but they're just by your side. Like, we got your back, man. We're behind you all the way. And you're like, how far behind are you? Because I feel really alone right now. Right? But God's not just by your side. He's not just nearby watching like, like your life unravel. He's actively working on your behalf. So like some of us, we need to stop and recount some of the, the tragedies in our life and remember that God was writing a story. It was that bad. And if God hadn't been on your side, it would have been worse. But because he was, here you are. Like, like we're still standing. We made it through. We got through something. And sometimes when you are in a season of distress, you just need to remember, I've been here before, and it passed. I've been here before, and I got through it. Like sometimes we just want God to get us out of something, and the truth is I think he just tends to get us through something. Like, God, get me out of here. He's like, no, I'll get you through here, though. Like the Bible says this, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. It doesn't say this. And then because I was fearing evil, God just got me out of the valley. It's like, no, like he walks us through the valley of the shadow of death. We still got to make our way through it. So in a season of distress, watch what you say. Make a positive confession. Don't be the type of person who as soon as distress comes, you speak words of doubt. Who as soon as distress comes, you speak words of cynicism. Who as soon as distress comes, you start ripping into every person around you. Isn't that crazy? I know we all can tend to do it, but why do we speak the worst words to the people who love us the most? Like, I got, we're like, oh, they can handle it. They'll still love me anyway. No, let's not be those people who, who get an unbridled tongue just because we're in a season of distress. Instead, let's look back and say, remember how bad that was? But God was on our side. And he's still on our side. He's not switching teams. He's still on our side. And he's still fighting our battles. And he's still for us. And he's never going to be against us. We need to watch what we say. Number two, writing down notes. Number two, write down this. Watch what you sow. S-O-W. Watch what you sow. Check out uh, Psalm 126. 126 in verse 6 says this. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Let me read it one more time. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. A sheave is not used that commonly in our normal day-to-day language. A sheave is like a bundle of grain or wheat or barley or whatever was planted. It is the result of what was planted. And, and, and so it's saying this, that in seasons of distress, when emotions are high, we can tend to Stop sowing. I've been there. I'm distressed. The last thing I want to do is the little things that make a difference in the long run. I just want to survive. 
Are you with me? Like the last thing I want to do is prioritize a long game future that is vibrant and alive. I'm like, I just want to get through today. But it says this, in a season of weeping, still carry seeds with you. Because here's what's going to happen. I promise you. Whatever season you're in, I promise this is going to happen. Number one, the season will change. Promise. Like Genesis 8 says that, that as long as the earth exists, these things will exist. Day and night, heat and cold, summer, fall, winter, spring. It's the way God planned it. There's there's always be seasons. Same in your life. This season will change. Number two, your emotions will change. I promise. I promise they do. They do. Your emotions towards people have changed. Your emotions towards, like, political things sometimes have changed. Your emotions towards sports teams have changed. Your emotions towards food have changed. Things change. But when they change, you want to have something to show for that season. And that is all dependent on what you do with the seed in your life. Now, seed, by very nature, is a symbol of faith, isn't it? I'm going to take something real small. I'm going to bury it in the ground. Then I'm going to wait and if all goes well, I'm going to eat what comes out of the ground. What a crazy statement of faith it is to put seeds in the ground. What a crazy statement of faith to be like, I would like in about four to five months to eat some zucchini. So I'm going to take this small little seed here and put it in the ground, cover it up, and then wait. And if all goes well, I'm eating zucchini. Like What a crazy statement of faith. Here it's saying this, when you're feeling at your worst, keep planting seeds. So there's people who are like, oh, man, I'm in this unemployed state. Like, it's really stressful. I can't be generous at all. Find a way. Like, you're like, oh, but it would be so small. Yeah, it would be like a seed, right? So find a way, even when you're feeling that way, to, I'm so lonely. I feel brokenhearted. I got no time for, for a relationship. Find some. Find some. It would be so small, like a seed. Take that seed with you. Find some time to invest in other people. Find some time to not make your life all about yourself. And what you'll find is that when the season changes and the emotions change, which they will, you'll have something to show for it. Oh, to get through a hard season and go like, well, I scraped by and at least I'm still here. No, no, come out of this season better. Do you know what happens in Jeremiah chapter 29? In Jeremiah 29, people were brought into exile. They were living in a place they didn't want to live. They just wanted God to get them out. And the word of the Lord to them was this. While you're there, plant a garden. Have kids. Like, live. It says this, do not decrease in this season. I just want to tell you, you're in a season of distress right now. Maybe you find yourself literally weeping often. Like, uh, like that type of emotion. But maybe it's another type of negative emotion. Maybe for you it's numbness. You're like, I just find myself feeling numb often, which isn't my best. I find myself feeling irritated often, which is not my best. I find myself feeling whatever the, those things might be. Even when you're feeling that way, I want to encourage you, still prioritize planting some good seed. Like make some some small investments of faith into your future. And when you return, because you will, you're going to have a harvest to bring in it. And there's something great about a harvest that was planted when you weren't at your best. Like there's something great. You're like, whoa, God is seriously so good. Because I don't think I even put my best my best foot forward in that season. And yet I'm, I'm reaping a harvest. What? It's, it's like 30-fold or 60-fold or 100 times what I even planted. It's so much better because the God's just that good. He's lavishing love on me. So when you go out weeping, just take some seed with you. Still invest. 
Like, man, I'm feeling so beaten up. I have a hard time investing into my, my, my kids or my coworkers or whatever. Just they'll plant a little seed, little seed of hope, little seed of encouragement, little seed of generosity. Make those little investments and watch what God will do. Number three, if you're taking notes, write this one down, sleep. Sleep. For some people, like, this is perfect. You're talking about sleep. I'm in church, and I'm sleeping. It's great. It's amazing. You know, so it's kind of fun. When you stand up here, you can see exactly, you know, generally how people's Saturday went. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I just think, like, I'm, I'm so beyond being offended by that. I'm like, if you can't get good sleep anywhere else, this is a good place to rest. Get some rest in church. And you'll just get something by us most. I might come scare you sometime for laughs, but, but just enjoy some rest. But I think it's important. To sleep. In seasons of distress, it's important to sleep. You see, here's what we do. Like, like what you say is important because in seasons of distress, sometimes we just say all sorts of crazy things. It's important to sow when you're distressed because sometimes in seasons of, of distress, we just pull back and we invest nothing into our future and we just live for this moment. It's also important to, to sleep because sometimes in seasons of distress, we tend to think that we just got to like muster up a little more energy on the inside and just keep on going and grinding harder and going harder and we'll get ourselves out of this. Look what Psalm 127 says. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards watch the city in vain. In vain they rise up early and in vain they stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For God grants sleep to those he loves. Someone here, you're like, I struggle with a little bit of insomnia. Does God not love me? That's not what this is saying. You're like, oh, no, I work night shift. It said don't stay up late. What, like, oh, I'm doing, no, 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 no. That's not what it's saying. It's speaking of a mindset that says, you know, I got myself into this. I got to get myself out of this grind, 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 go, go, go. Because if I stop, like if I were to rest, certainly the world would crumble, right? The entire weight of the world is on my shoulders, and if I were to rest, like, everything would fall apart. If I take a break, oh, man, everything. No, no, just rest. Sleep. Great things will happen while you rest. And specifically, great things will happen in what you're trying to build while you rest. You know what's interesting? The word house, it comes from a word which means to build. A couple other words that come from that word house, this Hebrew word that's used here, are, are the words son and daughter, which is pretty cool. It means this, like the people that you are trying to build and the projects that you are trying to build need God at the center. And if you think somehow you can ace it on, on the people you're trying to build or, or just crush it on these projects that you're working on without God in the center of it, you're probably going to find that you worked a lot harder than you had to and got a lot less results. Take a sleep. Truly, like take a rest. Your productivity will probably go up. Your patience will certainly go up. We'll all thank you for it. Just take a sleep. And, and, and the sleep is not only what will change in the way you interact with people, it actually shifts your perspective towards God. Because the Bible says this, God doesn't sleep or slumber. The fact that he's always up means you can have a season where you're, you're not at your best. A season where you say, oh, I'm going to just make a disciplined choice right now and get some rest. And while I sleep, God's still on the throne. He's still at work. Sometimes in seasons of distress, we just roll our sleeves way up. And we're like, I got this. No, you don't. God does. And, and we give each other bad advice. We're like, you got this, man. No, he doesn't. But God does. 
Like, like let's, not, let's not turn our encouragement into flattery. Some of the greatest things happen while you rest. Take a sleep. Get some rest. Let's watch what we say. Let's watch what we sell. Let's watch how we sleep. And number four, last thing, if you're writing this down, simply the word stay. Stay. S-T-A-Y, stay. Look at Psalm 133. It says, oh, how good and pleasant it is when people dwell together in unity. Or you could say this, when people stay together, when people stay unified. Oh, that's good. And that's pleasant. Have you ever noticed in life some things that are good for you aren't pleasant? You can fill in some blanks there, I'm sure. You ever notice that some things that are pleasant just aren't good? Probably fill in some blanks there as well. But unity, it's both. Unity, if you stay there, will be both. It'll actually be the best thing for you, and you will find there's pleasantness along the way. You say, well, I don't feel pleasant right now. I'm out of here. That's what happens often when people are in distress. They just do crazy things. They scramble and run. Like, man, marriage got hard. Ah, I'm out of here. And in a season of distress, they, they disunified. Oh, my goodness, friendships are hard. Why can't everyone be like me? <laughs> How crazy would your friend group be if everyone was like you? Right? We tend to like people initially because they're like us. I don't like that guy because he reminds you of you. <laughs> but there's something amazing about having a unified friendship with someone who thinks differently and acts differently. You're stronger for it. So stay together. Say, like people do this in their workplace. They jump from job to job to job to job to job. And then like, like they're, they're at 35 going, man, most people my age are making more money because they stayed somewhere. Like you're still entry level. Just trying to help you like practically. Like jump from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. Most people by my age have a family because they stayed. That's how it works. Right? Scrambling and like like bailing on your investments and bailing on then most people my 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 age have money because they stayed didn't scramble see in distress we can do some crazy things and just try to get out and flee but the bible says this it's just it's really pleasant to god and it's good for you if you just stay unified it says here's what it's like to god it's like anointing oil being poured out on the priest that means it brings power it's like dew that falls on a mountain. That means it brings refreshing. And it's like there is where God commands his blessing. Why is it so good and pleasing? Because when God sees unity, he's like, that's what I've been looking for all along. So this is kind of cool, right? They're, they're songs of ascent. People coming from all these different regions, all these different backgrounds, and, and, and they're coming onto the same pathway. And as they, they walk together and as they sing together, God's like, whoo, that's beautiful. And then he commands a blessing on it. And they result in getting to where they were ascending to, going, oh, come on, everybody, let's lift our hands. Isn't God good? He's the maker of the heaven and the earth because God has commanded blessing on that unity. I just want to like challenge you with all the might I have. Don't isolate yourself in seasons of distress. That's when you need community more than ever before. See, here's the thing we tend to do when we're distressed. We say crazy things. We pull back from thinking about our future, and so we sow nothing. We stop resting, and then we bail on all our friends. Ever done it? Ever observed it? You think someone, just stop. That's not the way out. 
that's not the, that's just the way back to the beginning and then you have a new set of distresses i've burnt some bridges <laughs> broken some relationships got no future you're in a new state of distress now god is so good he'll meet you in that new state of distress and help you out of that one too but it begins with taking these steps watch what you say watch what you sow take a sleep and just stay stay in community stay We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.